what's up hybrids welcome back to another episode of the phantom hybrid podcast this is hanako and i am here with anthony and Lori, and we are discussing this season one finale of wheel of time and we're gonna start this a little bit differently because anthony i need you to explain this opening scene because these are characters i don't know at they confused me at first i thought they were married and they were sitting there arguing, but they're, they're speaking actually... in a different language. That too, <laughs> but which, okay, I read it and I was like going along with it, but the whole the baby kept throwing me off because you have this woman and this man, and they're arguing, and there's this baby that just keeps crying, and nobody's going over to pick up this baby. I was like, is this their baby? Like, do they work together? And then I realized one is, well, actually both of them are Aes Sedai. And at this point, anyway, Anthony, explain to us what's going on in the scene. <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell you what's going on on the scene. And then and you then can I'll, tell us why you can't stand it. Why, why you t- have issues with it. Why have issues with it. Okay. So here we have Luz Taryn Philemon and Latra Posai Dukumi. Long story short, you have the leaders, uh, you have the Tamerlan seat. We know it now as the Amarlin seat. Remember I told you, this is 3,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that we knew then, or that they knew then, have kind of been lost. Okay. So it was called the Tamerlan seat, not the Amarlin seat. Mm-hmm. And he was the Tamerlan seat of the male side, and she was the Tamerlan seat the female side, but they work okay. together. They're both eyes to die. And this, so is, this before is before the, the breaking of the world. Because this is before the breaking. Okay. Um, real quick backstory. So these scientists thought it was cool to burrow a hole into the the pattern. This hole that they created called the bore allowed the dark one to exert his influence <laughs> into our world. What what is it if you just because you can doesn't, doesn't mean, mean you should. should. Right. Okay, so the pattern has thinned out and the the whole point is there's a war going on between the dark one and the forces of the light. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this war has been going back and forth, back and forth and Luz Terran Thelemon, who is the most powerful Aes Sedai, he's the dragon, he's known as the dragon, has all these titles that we talked about with Lan. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has this idea that they're gonna go to the to the boar or and and reseal the dark one in his prison. Okay. Latra, on the other hand, um, they don't talk about the the plan that she had, but they have a separate plan. Mm-hmm. She does not have any confidence in the plan that that Luz has come up with. Okay. She doesn't think they work because she thinks their plan is superior. Um, Long story short, she makes all the women agree not to help um, Luz, Theron, and Telemann and his men in sealing the boar. And that's where we are here. So this discussion is about, you know, what he's trying to convince her to help. Like, we need your help. We need to do it together okay. and she's like i don't like your plan so we're not going to help you mm-hmm. basically but we wish you luck yeah good luck to you and then she tells him you know you do this there's going to be blowback mm-hmm. and you know he's going to do something to y'all which was the taint 
which is right. what happened. But isn't that awfully selfish of her? I mean, come on. You have to give and take. I mean, that's just hubris to thinking that, you know, because she doesn't like his plan, screw you and we're going to do our own way. I mean, that's not the way to be a leader. And and in the end, her plan wasn't any better, actually. The, <laughs> the plan that they came up with was actually not any better at all. Mm. But yeah, I was kind of looking at that like, so you're saying that his plan won't work and they're y'all are refusing to help them. I'm like, but you guys have the same goal in mind. Yeah. Like he was trying to lock away the dark one. So why wouldn't you help? I mean, plan A, and you, plan you B. Actually, you actually, you're assuring that it will not work. Right. By not helping. Right. <laughs> I don't know that that whole like I said that whole scene just kind of threw me off because I understand the gist of what they were trying to say and what they were doing. They basically were were showing us what led to the breaking of the world. Oh, okay, so y'all were supposed to be working together. You decided not to help him. He decided to move forward with his plan, and somewhere along the line, it didn't work. So it, it wasn't going to work without the women. Period. Yeah. It just wasn't. So and, I was looking at that, but like I said, that baby kept throwing me off because the baby was in the crib, the baby sitting there, you know, making noise. And then he goes over and talks to the baby. I was like, is this baby supposed to be like important or was it just there? I don't know. This, it just, it threw me off. This is one of those things that the writers in this show tend to do by telling you something without actually telling you something. Okay. Which is... I'm hoping that they're not trying to do this with men's vision. Because remember how in Rand's vision or in men's vision of Rand, he picked up the baby. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to the scene, the the end of this scene when he picks up the baby. And so it's like, you already told us he's a dragon reborn. So Well, no, he didn't even pick up the baby. In, in did, he not, did he not pick it up? I thought he, he did. He just went over to it. He was like... It's okay, yeah. sweetheart. Daddy's here. And then he gets up and he turns, I mean, he turns around and walks off and the baby is mysteriously already asleep in the crib. But I think the, I the other interesting thing too was once they show us, you know, he he walks away from the crib, the baby is asleep and then they show us the outside. Um, the outside and I, I is that, was that supposed to be Tarvalon? Or yeah. Was it was very not, not, future. Not was Tarvalon, but yeah. That was this is the age of legends. This is three thousand years ago. This is what the world was like before the breaking. Right. I'm like, they had flying vehicles and it was very futuristic. I mean, mm-hmm. com- in comparisons now it plunged into the dark in age. Dystopian age. Yeah. 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 Like, the breaking of the world broke everything. Like it threw civilization way back. Like and she mentions that. She said, if this fails, if your plan fails, it's going to throw us back, you know, a thousand years or whatever, mm-hmm. which is what happened. Not because their plan failed, but because of the, the man becoming crazy. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was a futuristic society. They had, you know, I don't want to say technology, but most things were powered by the one power. Um, ah, okay. And, but they, but they also had like regular things. 
in, in Shannara, like Shannara is basically a dystopian future as well. <laughs> right. You know, right. because when you're reading the book, you don't know it's a dystopian. I think uh, like halfway through okay. and they come across like a car. Right, right. all rested away <laughs> right i mean even in the um season one of the show because i only watched the first season you you see different little relics like that yeah. like you see a car and you see pipes something, and stuff. something else and then you know they go into an old high school that was still mm -hmm. decorated for prom mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it is just i was like okay but see what shanara the, I watched the whole thing with Shinar. They did a very good job of that because they it was very subtle, you know. And but this this what threw me is that their clothing, because when we see them in the opener, she's wearing a very nice pantsuit. I'm like jealous. I'm like, I want that pantsuit. But they, they look very modern. They, you know, and mm -hmm. and then breaking of the world, it just took them stone ages. So, yeah, I, yeah I, this had me fascinated. Yeah, it threw them back into even before the stone ages it's like a hard bad. reset yeah mm -hmm. yeah and and you know a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to gather up with scraps of knowledge and information they could okay. now the the main thing that bothered me about this is she calls him the dragon reborn mm -hmm. and i'm bothered by it on several levels in the okay. books he was the dragon mm -hmm. like he wasn't the dragon reborn he, Did she say reborn though? Yes, in the subtitles he says dragon reborn. Hmm, okay. And he is he is the dragon. So I don't know if that's a mistake with the people who cuz we know the people who do the subtitles are not necessarily they get the script and they make the subtitles. Yeah. Yeah. So it's possible that that was oversight. But then there's another line later where a character says uh, every turn it gets a little bit weirder or a little bit different every turning of the wheel mm -hmm. and so I think I mentioned before that people were trying to they the showrunners were trying to argue that this was just another turning of the wheel that's why it's so different I think that's sort of a cop-out okay. to explain away all the changes that they made to the series or to the to the story so as far as we know how many turnings of the wheel have there been for as far as this show we don't know okay we don't know because suppose apparently this is a cycle that continues to go on and on and on and on okay but this is where it started okay lose theron telemon is the dragon yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyone, and I do see the captions did say Dragon Reborn, yeah, but of course anyone, they were speaking in a foreign language. Right. And anyone after him would be the Dragon Reborn. Okay. So I okay. just thought that that when I saw that, I had to pause and I had to just pull myself together. Because <laughs> I, I was really like, did. does that mean so if they're calling him the Dragon Reborn, then technically speaking, that means that there was a dragon before him. Right. So so here's a dumb question. What makes him the dragon? All his accomplishments and, and the power that he had. He was like the most powerful eyes to the eye ever. Like he, he was unmatched and unequaled by anybody. So he was Merlin. Okay, sure. <laughs> well, I, I'm just 
Since trying we've to been get doing some... our comparisons to Arthurian legend, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's hard because because he's he would be actually King Arthur. Okay, okay, all right. Well, I like I said, I was just want some clarification. Yeah, okay. he wouldn't be he wouldn't be Merlin. Okay. There, there. At this point, there really isn't a Merlinian in this story. Who that that comes later with Rand being reborn, with the dragon being reborn. Okay. Then you get a Merlinian and Moraine. That's why I'm Moraine, Merlin, Moraine. Mer ah, yeah. mm, okay. So. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's move forward. Um, look, since this is the last episode of the first season i don't know if it's going to change next season let me just once again say how absolutely gorgeous this opening sequence is with the looms and all the colors and the weaving just absolutely beautiful i hope they keep it for the next season but you know sometimes they change depending on what the what the show direction is going in. So anyway, I just yeah. wanted to mention that. There's a reason why they showed you the baby to connect the baby to him because of what is going to happen later. In this episode, you mean with Rand? No, with, with, with later a, on with in the story. story. Okay. The story, yeah. That's what I was wondering. Because like I said, you know, we've discussed this with other shows before. I Sometimes they focus on like one little detail that makes no sense in the grand scheme of things, but it's always like they're foreshadowing something that's happening later. So that's why I was asking. I was like, they keep, why do they keep yeah, focusing on this baby? They're setting you up for something in a, they're setting, they're doing it as, they're doing it a stupid way to set you up for something that could easily be told. Okay. But they're, they're trying to, they're trying to appeal to an emotional part of you with this. Okay. Okay. Without giving too much away. Okay. <laughs> Which is why I didn't go through his list of names because he has one of them. Yeah. Yeah, we we don't good. need the. Mm -mm. That was long because I was like, when you read the names before, I was like, this is longer than Daenerys's title or Jon Snow's <laughs> title. If you think about, oh, that's a lot of that's a lot of names. I don't need to do that. Mm -mm. Okay. So back at the palace. Egwene and Perrin, they they have a little talk. They're good, you know, because she's she's worried. She's trying to go after Rand. And Perrin is like, look, we don't know where he went. We don't know where they went. We can't go. And that's when, you know, she says to Perrin, she's like, I love him, Perrin. And I was like, you think Perrin didn't know that already? Like, come on, we all knew that. But anyway, it, it just opens the door for Perrin to be like, I do too, you know. But we gotta we gotta play this right. And then she's like, Are we okay? And he was like, We we'll always be okay. Okay, so they've made up, they have no no weird stuff going on between them. Okay, cool. So um also in the palace, you have Lan sitting on the balcony. Um, and he's worried, of course, because Moraine has masked their bond. So he can't feel her, he can't follow her, he can't protect her. And he has this conversation with um, Maneve when she comes up because he wants to go after them. And you think that Maneve is going to be like, no, you can't go after them. You can't, whatever. But she's actually encouraging him to go because she wants Rand brought back. And she was like, you know, you bring him back safe. And then they had the most lovely out of place well I won't say out of place but I was like 
this is not the time for you to declare your love. Like you could have did that last night. Land just has a way with words with her. I'm just, oh, anyway. He, so, he says, I will hate the man you choose because he is not me. Like, because really? because he's he's encouraging her to go to the White yeah. Tower. Yeah, because he knows that if he goes after Mor Moraine and Land Rand, that he'll probably die. Yep, he may not come back. He's not going to come back. Mm -hmm. So when he says that to her, I was just like, "Oh, that's the thing," because she tells him she was like after the Trollope attack in the two rivers. When I tracked you guys, when I followed you. I wasn't tracking you. I was tracking her, you know, because Lan seems to have a, you know, he can disguise himself well enough to that people won't track him. But she says, Moraine has a tell. I can tell it to you if you want. And he was like, you want me to go after them? And she was like, I need you to bring him back. So then that's what, that's what he says. He was like, you know, you are a wonderful, what did he say? You, you are a wonderful woman. Did he say that? I think you are as beautiful as the sun. No, 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 not yet. He said, oh. hold on. Oh, <laughs> he told he tells her, he was like, you, you'll you let me go without you. And she was like, you bring him back. That's that's the important thing. And he says, you are a remarkable woman, Wisdom. Oh, yeah. And she reminds him, she was like, a wisdom never weds. But if I go to Tarvalon, it may be that I'll be something other than a wisdom. You know, she'll be eyes to die. And then that's when he tells her, he grabs her hand and he was like, I will hate the man you choose because he is not me. I was like, is he about to declare? He was like, and I would love him if he makes you smile. You are as beautiful as the sunrise. You are as fierce as a warrior. You are a lioness wisdom. I was like, and she has not kissed him yet. Like he's <laughs> giving her all these platitudes. You had me at hello. <laughs> and he's sitting he was just like tell me how to find them i was like that's probably the hardest thing either one of them because they're like we we got we got more important stuff to be thinking about but this man just literally like poetry <sighs> who's going where what huh <laughs> do we have to leave now can we take like 10 15 minutes like yeah anyway <laughs> but i love that scene between them because it was so funny because at first when I watched it, I was like, is he that in love with her already? Then I forget. All of this is taking place in the span of months. Yeah, it could, it could be a couple of months now. It's been, it, Three it, or four it, months. Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. So I'm like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, that kind of does make sense. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so Lan is getting ready to go and try to track Moraine. Heron, Egwene, and Nynaeve, they are staying behind in the city because, um, you know, pretty much the city is about to be evacuated. The king, or is he a king? I know they keep referring to him as lord, but is he a king mm. or is he just a yeah, ruler? We'll call him a king. Okay, we'll call him a king. So the king and his sister, they are gathering their, you know, respective forces to try to fight off what appears to be a Trolloc attack that's coming you know Nynaeve when she's on the balcony once land leaves and Egwene comes to her and she's sitting there she's trying to listen to the wind 
And she says she can't hear anything. She hasn't been able to hear anything since she channeled. So she asks Egwene, can you hear anything? Egwene closes her eyes and we can all hear like screaming, grunting, sound almost sounds like running. Mm -hmm. And it's basically the same, as she says, the same thing that they heard during bell time. She said, but where that was a whisper, this is a shriek. So basically where we had maybe 500, 1,000, 2,000 Trollocs, oh, this is a much bigger incursion we're about to have. So they're staying behind. Instead of fleeing the city with everybody else, they're going to try to stay behind and see what they can do to help. It's a lot of stuff going on at the beginning of this episode. You've got that stuff going on in the palace. You've got random rain in the blight. Rand is dreaming and the dark one comes to him in his dreams now i will say when he had the dream at first and moraine was talking to him <laughs> and all of a sudden that sword came through moraine's mouth you thought she was done dude when i tell you i shrieked so loud <laughs> in my house i was like i was like oh they pulled a net stark <laughs> <laughs> I really thought she was dead. Yeah. And then we find out it's just the vision. You know, it's it's like the dark one is getting into Rand's head. I guess trying to sway him. Yeah. To his side. Yeah. Remember the 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 dragon reborn is either going to what break the world. It's gonna fix the world or break it. Or break it. Yeah. Now, this is another one of my issues. I think I talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Is I, I don't know if this is supposed to be the actual Dark One or if it's one of the Forsaken. And the Forsaken are Aes Sedai that sided with the Dark One okay. 3,000 years ago. Okay. Um, so well, I, I, mean- I, I don't I don't I don't really know and the way they've done it, like they haven't introduced any of the Forsaken so far. Yeah. Which you know, I don't know. He says he's the dark one, but And Rand Forsa- thinks like towards well, Rand the thinks he is, but Yeah, but towards the end when they're at the eye, when they finally get to the eye and Rand is like having these memories. He's like, I've been here before I remember this, and he starts kind of seeing the past version of himself he was like yeah there was a fight right here in the center and then he sees that guy he was like with the dark one so i would think this Rand, remember rand is also saying that his memories are broken like every time he tries to grasp something he can remember he loses it right so he may not himself be remembering exactly what happened like okay. Louis Theron, he could have been there fighting against someone. It could have been one of the Forsaken. Now, one of the, the Forsaken. So, what happens towards the end when we see when we see Rand in his little dream state, and quote unquote, the Dark One is trying to convince him. He was like, "Hey, you can have all of this." Would the Forsaken be able to do that? They yes. would. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Remember, he, he, well, in the book, yeah. Yeah, okay. because they they can, I, not to give too much away, there is 
I've mentioned before Tilleran Riyadh, which is the dream world, which is where Swan and I think where I think Swan and Moraine are meeting each other. Okay. Um, you can go there as a whole person, or you can go there in your dreams. And there are some people who are powerful enough to pull people into the dream world. Ah, uh, okay. And that could be one of the powers that this particular Forsaken would have. Mm. But again, all of this, I'll talk about this later when we wrap up, but this mm-hmm. this episode and last episode are like almost complete fabrications of mm. what happened in the book. So it's hard to tell whether or not they intend for this to be the actual Dark One representation. Okay. Or if it's a Forsaken who's lying to Rand about being the Dark One. Okay. Which that would be a manipulative thing to do, which is also why he's not allowing him to access those memories as well. Ah, okay. Because if he doesn't think it's a Dark One, then he knows that it's an actual person he can fight, Mm -hmm. then it may be different. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. All right. So let's talk about some things that happened. a lot, sorry. (laughs) No, it, it, it is a lot, but there was a lot like, I was watching this and there were some things like, I felt like the episode was pretty straightforward with certain things. And then there were certain things where I was like, okay, so why did they do this? Why did they do that? Like, you know, I mentioned it before I'm gonna mention it again and we'll talk about it. Like that whole scene at the end of the episode, like the very end scene, I was like, what was the purpose of this? Who are these people on the water? Why are they channeling a big wave to go onto the shore? And yeah, it, it just was that little girl that much of a threat to their invasion. Like all she was doing was building a damn sandcastle, whatever it was she was playing on the beach. <laughs> like, really? But anyway, okay. So let's go back to the blight because there are certain there's some things that happen after Rand has his dream. Um, the first thing is that Moraine gives him like a a talisman, a what does she call it? A Sangreal? It was a Sangreal. Yes. Okay. And so, yeah, real quick, remember, Angrial are, they can amplify your powers. They mm-hmm. amplify the one power. Sangrial are like a thousand times more powerful than a regular Angrial. Okay. They amplify your powers even more. And she tells them a thousand Aes Sedai have channeled all their power into this mm-hmm. one little item. Mm-hmm. So those are very rare. Yeah. Um, and this is from the book where she actually I think she she did give him one or he found one that he could use or something like that. Okay. But yeah, that's that's what that is. And then there's Terran Grial, which are items which can that they have the one power already in them mm-hmm. and they're just used as tools. Like the oath okay. rods are Terran Grial. Or um whatchamacallit's um uh, portrait that she uses to teleport. Would be oh, a Terangrial. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it was a Sangrial. Okay. So yeah, so she gives him that, and then they have like this little conversation afterwards where um Rand is asking about uh he wants her to teach him how to channel. And she was like, I can't do that because you know, the madness will get to you. And he was like, You think I really care about what happens to me after the today? Because I think he realizes that, okay, if I go here, I'm probably going to die. 
So he's like, okay, well, give me the means that I need in order to beat him. And then we could just call it a day and be done. Which, of course, Rand, it's not going to be that easy. It's not going to be that easy. But she starts telling Rand um, a story because he was, uh, she was talking to him about being able to touch the source. And so she tells him about an Aes Sedai when she was a novice. And she was like, she was everything I wanted to be. She was controlled. She was strong. Um, she was powerful. She was terrifying. And she took a liking to me. And she said she wanted to help me. She wanted to help make me everything that I could be. And at that point, I was having problems channeling. So she would come to my room at night alone and she would use the one power on me, uh, or excuse me, her words were she, and she would beat me with the one power. And she says, lashes of air and fire until the pain and the fear were so overwhelming that I grabbed the power myself and I stopped her. And she was like, when your life is on the line, you'll be able to, to grab the power. Mm -hmm. And I was like, is she talking about Sawan? And if <laughs> she is talking about Sawan, it was like, that's one screwed up relationship no she's not talking about someone. okay because i was a little concerned like i understand no, wanting to help they your partner better yourself but no they were novices together okay. so it would have been one of the one of the sisters okay who's doing that to them maybe leandra no, because she was a novice with them, but she, yeah, no. Yeah, I... <laughs> they could be pretty brutal to novices because they got to weed them out, and they got to get them to do what they need them to do. Mm, okay, you know. so they haze them. Yeah, they do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, but um, yeah. When when she said that, I was just sitting there like, "Damn, you have to go through a lot to be an Isidai." I don't know if I would want that, but. I mean, I guess you have to go through the tough times to make sure that you're that you are capable mm -hmm. of, of wielding the power, especially that much power, because you know, we see this later on in the episode when the Trollocs are attacking, you know, the king has his army and they're basically trying to meet the Trollocs at the gates. They're trying to keep them from getting into the city. But he says, if they get into the city, then we need the women to make sure the city doesn't fall. So basically, he's talking about all the women who can channel. And so the the princess, his sister, gets the women who can channel, which at that time, it's it's only five of them. It's her, two others, and then Egwene and Nynaeve come and help. And we see them all start to channel. And basically, what happens is they link their, they link their powers with each other. So they can create this one little, not, excuse me, one big blast that will take out the Trolloc army. And it does work, but we also see what happens to the women, like several of the women, it burns them through mm -hmm. because it, because I guess they're not meant to handle that much power, or maybe mm -hmm. they're not strong enough to handle that much power. I mean, it's bad enough you're trying to channel all that all of that into one person you're channeling four other people's powers into one person as well but yeah if I, if, if she had been better it can be done but she wasn't trained really to to do that right because she she 
like Moraine said, she went and trained with the sisters, but she wasn't she wasn't strong enough. Yeah. To become an Aes Sedai. So I'm, yeah. so I'm once, guessing once Moraine would have been able to do it. Yeah. Moraine, any of any capable Aes Sedai would have been able to 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 do it, to yeah. link. Um that's one of the things in the book that happens is linking mm-hmm. is a very common thing that Aes Sedai do. Okay. To channel together. Okay. Um Yeah. I yeah. mean, um I applaud her <laughs> her willingness to do it. And I mean, it worked because they were able to get rid of the Trolloc army, but, mm-hmm. you know, three of those women lost their lives in the process and Nynaeve almost loses, almost like, does she, she almost died or did die? I almost, mean, almost, almost died. died. I'm going to stand by that the One Power cannot bring people back from the dead. Okay. If it was possible, it would have been done. But she was pretty crispy. She was pretty close. <laughs> she was she pretty was close. Pretty Remember, she's crispy. tough. She's a fighter. And this, and actually, this is an example of. Remember, I talked about wilders and how they burn themselves out because mm-hmm. they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. This is an example. This shows you what actually happens to wilders who who grow up and aren't ever trained in the one power. Mm-hmm. They'll draw on it and not be able to do anything with it and lose control and just burn themselves out. Yeah, but I think they re- the really interesting thing about that part was that when when Nynaeve and Egwene realized they were, you know, I think Egwene, because she was in closer proximity to the princess, she was starting to burn up first. And then Nynaeve realized what was happening and they kind of disconnected from the princess, but they were still connected by the the power, the mm-hmm. one power. And then yeah, I, I think, think I think Nynaeve was channeling into her. That's what I was gonna say. It yeah. looks like she was channeling whatever it was. She was she was taking it out of uh Egwene so that because you, you notice when Egwene sat up, she didn't have the burns and anything. I think mm-hmm. Nynaeve took that into herself to save Egwene. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting that she was able to do that again without any without any training real training yeah but mm-hmm. i think maybe her instincts as her a instincts. wisdom and as a yeah as a healer kicked in and mm-hmm. it's like her body knew what to do and then in turn i feel like Egwene did the same thing because when she was sitting there you know trying to bring Nynaeve back nothing was working but when she kind of covered her to cry over her i feel like all of the power from that emotion. Again, most of the time that we've seen Egwene channel in this show, it's always been in in moments of high emotion for her. Mm-hmm. High stress. So um when when you channel, you're you actually draw the one power in mm-hmm. and then you start to make the weaves. So all Nani was doing was Instead of drawing the one power from the source, she was drawing it from Egwene. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's what was helping. Because later, when the Dark One is talking to Rand, he's trying to explain to him how to do it. Mm-hmm. He was telling him to draw it in, mm-hmm. draw it in, and then release it. Mm-hmm. That That's how channeling works. Ah, okay. And the people who burn themselves out, they just keep drawing it in, drawing it in. Like the woman did, you just keep drawing it in, and mm-hmm. you, know, you burn yourself out. Okay, because you're not releasing it. Because well, you're not releasing it. And and they did release it, but it was kind of like, I, I guess they had drawn too much into themselves before they released it. Mm-hmm. 
So it's they, like, or they don't know how to release it. They just keep yeah, it they were they, they weren't running. filtering it out properly. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. And in the book, they talk about um, Sidene and Sidar being seized. So a person, a channeler, will seize the one power and draw it into themselves. Mm. So that's how it's described, and that's what she was doing. It's just that after she released it, she just couldn't seem to let go because it felt wonderful. Right, and and you could see that because when Nynaeve tells her to let go, she was like, I can't. And she was like, it's so beautiful. I see everything. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about, I see the what the forest and the rivers. I see the rocks and, and the, the sand. And she, it was almost like she was just, I, I don't know. She was euphoric, mm-hmm. I guess, in a way. And then of course she, she burns herself out. She dies. But the scene there was a scene with her and her brother at the beginning of course once they realize that they're about to be attacked they're all in their battle gear and she's trying to tell him the walls will not hold the walls will not hold because he's trying to send you know all of his men out there to kind of hold the wall hold the 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 gate and um, she's trying to tell him look this is not going to hold this is way more than we've ever faced. It's not going to hold. And when when he's putting on his armor, she's trying to tell him like they they have their father's armor on the wall in front of them. And she's trying to tell him, you need to wear his armor. You know, his armor saved him from such and such and his father before him. And he adamantly says, I will use my own armor today. And at first, I think she was thinking like, He's not heeding her counsel. And then when he turns around to talk to her, you realize he already knows that he's going to die today. He realizes that the gate will probably fall. The walls will probably fall. And he tells his sister, he was like, you were right. You were right about everything. We should have sent to the White Tower and asked them for assistance. Now we will probably fall. He was like, but it's our job to try to give everybody else time to gather their forces so that they can fight. So we will sit here and hold the wall as long as we can while we send messengers and ravens to the other cities to let them know what to expect. But we will give them time. This is what we will do. And I was like, again, it's very refreshing because he could have been one of those kings that was very arrogant. And been like, no, we can hold it. We're not going to fail. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not listening to you. He could have been one of those leaders that went and hid while all of his soldiers sat there and fought. But he didn't do that. He was right there on the front lines. And he was like, look, we are going to give everyone else a chance to fight. And I was just so impressed with that. It's like, I like these characters in the way that they're writing them because you get to see a different side of, you know, stereotypes that we always see with certain characters. He's mm-hmm. not a Joffrey and, you know, kind of sitting off to the side and, you know, safe and warm and drinking milk and cookies while the rest of his men are are being cut down. He's like, look, 
I realize I made a mistake and I am going to pay for that mistake. But before I pay for that mistake, we gonna take down as many of these sons of bitches as we can. Mm -hmm. And what we can't do, I know the women of this city will be able to, you know, he's basically like, if we can't handle it, then I know y'all can. Yeah, because in the, in the, in the societies in the borderlands, the women are also warriors. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I was like, should have listened. Should have listened to her. I mean, and, and she seems like she seems very intelligent. You know, even from the moment we first met her in the last episode. And it's kind of like, you really need to be listening to her. Like, I don't know who comprises your council. She should be the first one on, you know, on it. She should be the one that you absolutely listen to because she doesn't want, she's loyal to her city. I mean, we saw that with Moraine when she was trying to figure out, why do you want to go see the seer? And Moraine was like, well, you trained as an Aes Sedai, even though you didn't make it. So I would like for a little discretion. And she was like, um, I'm cool with your Aes Sedai, but my loyalty is to the city. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, yeah. She she's one of those that's gonna go down fighting for them. And I'm just like, oh, he should have listened. But he should have, but he also, again, there's a lot of distrust of Aes Sedai. And yeah, that that is his sister, but she was there. Mm -hmm. She was there long enough. Yeah, and for him that that was enough, and especially if she's always saying we need to call them for help, we need to call them for help. Yeah. That's going to make him less likely to do it because they don't really trust Asta right that much. Right. Yeah. So let's go to the eye of the world and talk about what happens to Rand there because you have some issues with that as well, right? Okay. <laughs> so anyway. Well Go ahead. It, it's, you want you want to talk about it first. Or you want to talk about your issues first. We'll we'll talk about it first. Okay. So Rand and Moraine they they find this. I don't even know what to, underground fortress. I guess you can call it. Like it's basically this hole in the ground that has like lots of steps, and it's it's a structure. It it looks like. It may have been the bottom part to a structure. Maybe the top portion of it has been lost to time or whatever. But they go down into this thing and Rand is starting to remember bits and pieces or he's starting to see visions of what may have happened. So he sees his his past self lose... Uh, Luce Theron Telemann. Okay, that, that person. You just call him Luce. Luce. So he sees him. He sees the dark one. And he knows that they fought. And he's trying to figure out what else happened because, again, like he said, he's only putting together bits and pieces in his mind. And when he reaches down to touch the symbol, the eye symbol that's in the middle, he wakes. I mean, he kind of looks and his surroundings have changed. He's inside a cabin. It's a nice little cabin. There's a baby crib in the corner and he's looking very confused. So he walks outside and Egwene is out there with their daughter and he has no clue what's going on he was like so when did we come here she was like after after we returned from the eye okay so we're we're together we're i guess married have 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 a child you know 
and he's confused. He's sitting there, he's holding the baby and he's happy for a moment. And then he realized he was like, something's not right. So that's when Egwene comes to him. She takes the baby from him and they have a conversation. He was like, how long have we been here? And, you know, he's trying to figure out if this is real or not, because of course, in his mind, he knows that this is not real. He's not married to Egwene. They don't have a child together. And what's going on on the outside world is that he is unconscious and Moraine is trying to wake him up. Now, in the midst of that, the dark one appears to Moraine as she's trying to wake up Rand and she tries to use the one power to attack him. Of course, he's the dark one. He stops it and then he does something to her. It's almost like he, he, I don't know if he's channeling the power back into her, but she looks like she's strangling. And then she starts moving her hands in this weird way. And he was like, how odd it is to have the, you know, the source at your fingertips, but you can't touch it. And I was sitting there like, did he take away her magic or her, you know, her, her ability to, to channel? And I don't think he took it away, but he took it so that she can't access the source. So yeah. it's almost the same. Yeah. In, in this, in this world, you can either be shielded, which is what they were doing to um, um, Logan, mm -hmm. or you can be steeled or gentled, which is what they did to him after he killed uh, what right. you call it. So being shielded, you can sense the one power, but you can't touch it. So the mm. fact that he said that to her makes me think he shielded her. Okay. And also, also something came over her, like her whole body, mm -hmm. and went inside of her, which is like this, like a shielding. Okay. If he gentled her, she would not be able to sense the power at all. At all. Okay. And that's what usually drives a person crazy when they're okay. when they're gentled. They don't. Oh, okay. They don't even feel it. Okay. But yeah, because he made mention to her, he was like, oh. So now you see what it what it feels like because you could see her. She's looking at her hands and she's moving them in this way, like almost like she probably feels it right there at the tip mm -hmm. of her fingers, but she can't do anything. It's kind of she like that kind it. of itch you can't scratch. Mm -hmm. And she was just looking horrified because he was like, "Oh, okay, so now you get to see what it's like." I was like, "Oh, I hope he didn't do that." But yeah, yeah, he did. and and shielding usually requires constant monitoring but this is the dark one so so it is a dark one so we'll, we'll give him that yeah <laughs> we'll give him that leeway but while um while she's going through all of this outside and inside Rand's uh head you know like i said he's trying to figure out if Egwene is real so he tells her about this one little incident when they were kids she got mad at her mother about something and they packed some bags and they decided to run away and I forgot what it was that made them stop. I think they were cold. They were hungry. They stay overnight up under a tree. And then the next day they decide to go back home. And he said, we carved something into the tree. What was it? And the way that they were playing it was like, you know, when you see scenes like that happen in, in TV and film and stuff, usually the person that's being an imposter, they don't know what the, what the secret 
code or what the secret thing is. But this one did. And she was like, our place. And I forgot what the other words were. But basically, you know, this is our place for all time, forever. And he was like, oh, it's really you. It's really you. And, you know, I think one of the things that, again, was so interesting to me about this scene is this is everything that Rand wants. You know, he wanted to marry Egwene. He wanted children with her. And when she's like, oh yeah, th this is, this is good. I, this is what I want. I, I want to be here with you. And then all of a sudden everything freezes. She's, she's frozen mid whatever. The baby is frozen in the crib. And then the dark one approaches Rand and he's basically telling him, okay, look, this is the thing you want. If you, if you side with me, this is the thing you can have. You can reshape the world in in your image, whatever it is that you want. And that's the thing that starts to get Rand kind of like, oh, okay, this might be something I want. So he starts telling Rand how to channel. He was like, yeah. He was like, all you have to do is envision. He was like, that little girl there in the crib, he said, you just envision it and she will be real. This will be yours. Everything will be, you know, what you want. So you see Rand starting to channel and you see him starting to feel like I, the enormity of that power and he almost grasps it meanwhile outside his body moraine has a knife to his neck because she's telling the the dark one she was like i know that there's a battle going on between the dark and the light for him she was like but i am prepared if he decides to choose the dark i will kill him right here right now she, yeah. she like, said, I'll make that choice for him. I will make that choice for him. <laughs> and she literally has the knife to his throat and it's it's cutting into his skin. You see blood on the knife. Meanwhile, in his head, Rand is, like I said, you see the channeling and you see the, the weaves going around him and you see it going around the crib. And the dark one was standing next to him. And I think had he not moved... Rand probably would have been been taking over. He would have been consumed. But the dark one moved back, I guess, to let Rand see, okay, now you've got the weaves around your daughter. Now put your weaves around her and this will all be yours. And Rand turns around and he looks and he says, I know about what I want, but what about what she wants? This isn't what this is this isn't what she wants. What about the woman who wanted to be a wisdom and who wanted to be wanted an to eye to, to die? Wanted to go to Tarvon, the White Towers. Right, wanted, to go, wanted to go to the White Tower. He was like, the woman I love doesn't want this. And the dark one is sitting there looking like, what the hell are you doing? Because you can see something is happening. And at that moment, that's when Rand regains consciousness in the real world. And he has the the um sang sangrial that that thing sangrial <laughs> he has that in his hand and he's channeling all of the power into it because like he says he was like the woman i love she doesn't want this again another example of how they are writing these characters because for the most part, anybody else would have been like, oh, this is what I want. This is everything I dreamed. Oh, yes, I'm going to grab at it. But he was thinking about her. 
he was like, yes, this is what I want. This is what I've always wanted, but she wants something else. And if I do this, then what about her? And I think he really sat there and thought about if I put her in a situation she doesn't want to be in, is it a situation worth being in? You know, it's kind of like if you if you force somebody to be with you that doesn't want to be with you, there's not going to be a happy ending in that. No. And Rand sees that. And he uses that to channel all of his power. And I guess he I guess that caused the dark ones to be locked up again in this prison. Is that what that is that what happened? Okay, I know you had some issues with the scene. So tell me what your issues are because I know. I know what I see here, but again, this world is still kind of new to me, so I don't understand all the ins and outs and the nuances. So tell me what your issue was with this whole thing. Well, issue number one is it's sort of not real clear about what's happening, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if if they're doing that intentionally because um, if you are a new viewer to the show, it may make sense to you, but if you have any clue about the actual book Eye of the World, mm-hmm. then this makes absolutely no sense. Okay. Um, they they did some things that kind of bothered me. Like this was like a roundabout shortcut way of having someone show him how to a man show him how to channel. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, he does kind of force a forsaken that he captures into teaching him how to channel. Okay. Um, a little bit. So there's that and. I don't know. And and if you're going to use the dream world as much as you are, Mm -hmm. then you probably should have given us an idea about the dream world. Like if Tilleron Riad is going to be something that you use, go ahead and and tell us what it is, Mm -hmm. you know, and and if you're going to use it, because this is not really in the first book. Okay. I mean, I told... Most of this stuff that you're seeing is, like I said, a complete and utter fabrication. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which this is of all the parts of the series, this this whole ending sequence just works my nerves because they don't give you anything. They okay. don't, and then they leave it so vague, and we don't know that he destroyed the dark one. And you notice he kind of smiled right before he yes right before he disappeared yes because i i know what i know what the task was and he accomplished his task it's just that the regular person we we're kind of left in the dark like okay. what the hell just happened here and then you get moraine talking to cuz land finally gets there mm-hmm. and you see the floor is broken and she holds up a piece of it and he's like is that what i think it is she's like yeah it's kundia which is like this it is a, it is a, a material that is impossible to break you can't even break it with the one power mm. but here it is the floor is all broken, broken. into pieces and like wh- what does that mean okay because i was wondering about that too i was like i, I could i could explain it to you but it would be too much of a spoiler <laughs> okay okay that works but yeah and you know when land finds her he asks, oh, because what happens is after the Dark One is banished or whatever it is that happens to him, um, Moraine was telling him, okay, we can go back. And he was like, I'm not going back. He said, I already felt the stirrings of madness 
when I channeled, he said, he said, is it true what they say about men who channel that eventually the madness takes over them to the point where they kill all their friends and loved ones? And she was like, it is. I'm, I'm not going back. Do me a favor. You tell them I'm dead. And she was like, you know, I can't lie. He was like, I'm sure you'll figure something out, but I'm not going back with you. And he leaves. And then when Lan comes and asks, he was like, Rand, and she just, she shakes her head and then she says, and She could have said no, but she had to say he's gone. Mm -hmm. You know, she couldn't lie. Right. She she tried to shake her head like, mm -mm. then she was like, he's gone. And then, you know, Lan is like, okay, so unmask our bond. She was like, I can't. The dark one, he, I, he, I can't touch the source. And then she absolutely breaks down. I was like, I think this is the first time we've actually seen Moraine break down at all mm -hmm. in this season, but she can't touch the source. So, you know, it kind of makes me wonder, like, I know what happens to the men when they can't touch the source. Will the same thing happen to her? Like, will she, will she start descending into madness because she can't touch it? I, I I exaggerate when they're going to madness, but there's a longing that you mm -hmm. have, and and there's a difference. There's a difference between being shielded because being shielded, it is it's just frustrating. Mm -hmm. Like it's just frustrating. It's depressing. You see it, you can't touch it. The ones who are stilled or gentled, mm -hmm. they can't sense it at all. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that kind of kind of lose it for me. I feel like you think that would be worse. I, I think it would be reversed for me. Yeah. Like if I can't mm -hmm. feel it at all, it's almost like it's never been there. Then I would probably have to figure out how to deal with that. And yes, that would be hard, but feeling it, knowing that it's actually there and not being able to do anything. I think that would drive me mad. So yeah. it's sort of like a, a when, when someone loses a limb. Yeah, like, phantom you know, limb. Yeah, phantom it's limb. Like yeah, they say you can still feel it, right? But it's not that. I think that would drive me nuts, especially the way that she's describing. You see the way she's looking at her hands. It's almost like, like I said, it's like that itch you can't scratch. Like you get an itch up under your skin, and no matter how much you scratch on the surface, it's still bothering you up under. I feel like that's kind of the sensation it would give or like your hand when it goes to sleep, like you sit there and you try to do whatever it is to wake your hand up. And it just feels like you can feel the sensation on top of your hand, but you can't really do shit about it. I think, I think that would drive me nuts. I think it would drive, drive you nuts, but the person that has the loss and the longing for it, like if mm -hmm. you have actually had it before and now yeah. you don't even have the hope. Like, at least if you can see it there, you might think, well, maybe it'll come back. Maybe I'll be able to touch it at some point. Well, when it's gone, it's gone. Mm -hmm. And, like, you can't sense, you can't feel it. And those people tend to to have worse worse endings than those who are just shielded. Mm. And also, again, this is the problem I have with this. Shielding is a temporary thing that they do to contain people who can channel. Mm-hmm. So we don't really have an example of someone who's been shielded for, you know, the rest of their lives. Right. They're usually shielded for a little while until they dis determine, you know, whether we should steal you or do something else. Because mm -hmm. remember I told you the Oath Rods were actually tools used to force 
Sedai or Chandler's who did something bad to make them promise to never use the one power again. Mm-hmm. So those people can feel it, they can sense it, but the binder made them not be able to channel. Okay. So it's also bad for them too, but none of it is canonically, whatever that word is, Mm -hmm. as bad as being stilled, where you can't touch it at all. Okay. Okay. And, you know, we have examples of characters being stilled in in the book, and they, they, you know, were in pretty bad shape. Mm-hmm. Um, but shielded people, they, the shields tend to go away. Like there was a time, one of our favorite characters got shielded, but that was because they were moving the character from one place to another, like they were doing with Logan. Mm-hmm. So, okay. it's not a permanent shielding is not permanent, and I don't think that's a spoiler. But this is something we really haven't seen before, okay. where the Dark One shielded her. And okay. I don't know if it's temporary or permanent. Or permanent. Or maybe it's just all in her mind. It could be. He could he could be playing a mind trick on her. That's yeah. that the dark one can do that. He he yeah, I was gonna say, even just in this episode, he seems to be good with mind tricks. Yeah. So okay. Um, going back to the palace, of course, like we talked about the Trollocs um attacking. Of course, the Trolloc army got to the women, so it bears no, you know, saying that the men did not uh, succeed at keeping them from the wall. They put up a valiant fight, though. Mm-hmm. But inside, the king had tasked his two, um, you know, his his two leaders to do something, and we see them. They're trying to dig up something from up under his throne, and it has to. It, it's some kind of box. They say that it's it's a um, the horn of Valir. Yeah, the horn of Valir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be sounded at the last at the last battle. battle. Mm-hmm. But when they talk about it, they say, "Oh, but that's not for us. It, it's for the the dark the one." Dragon. So I guess what they're trying mm-hmm. to do is they're trying to move it to hide it from the dark one. Because I'm guessing it probably calls all the dark ones people to them. Is that what that is, or or how does that no. work? The the horn of Valir is to be blown at the last battle to call all the heroes of legend oh, to okay. the last battle. Okay. Um, it pulls them out of the wheel and brings them to the last battle to fight for the light side. Oh, that might have been something we might have needed to know because the way that they made it sound. <laughs> when they were saying okay so uh because i think Perrin went to go help um get it out because yeah. of course the girls have gone to channel and he's sitting there trying to figure out what he's supposed to do he's like okay the way of the leaf is wrong you know they're out there about to die we need to we need to do something with violence and and loyal is like no we don't have there are other ways to help that's not violent so they go to the throne room to help with this. And when they pull it out and they explain to Perrin, yeah, this is the horn of Valor. Valor? Valir. And, you know, it's to be sounded at the last battle. And he was like, um, I kind of think we might need to do that now. And they're like, no, it's not for us. It's this for is the not, last. Yeah. yeah. This is not the last battle. Yeah. So it's like it's like Ragnarok, sort of, kind of, with or, yeah. or the Valkyries and all that. Okay. Yeah. 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 
but, so, but all yeah all, see at this point in the book you would have heard you know there would have been some name drops of of previous um heroes of legend like okay. arthur hartwing and uh, there's a whole bunch of them that they list throughout the book that you hear about the stories about these okay. heroes of legend or okay. whatever but they haven't been spun back into the pattern okay so the horn pulls them out of the pattern and allows them to uh to fight at the last battle okay okay so okay so we're at this point now where they are at the end is there any significance from the beginning of the book in the tv series why did robert jordan take in my opinion pages and pages to do the whole when he and his father were going into the village when they first got attacked i mean that was a significant part of the book and i literally am trying to figure out why that was there watching the show and i'm going it was less than a minute on the show is that gonna play out later um if i remember correctly that part he does long story short that i think that was to show first of all robert jordan isn't necessarily one of the greatest writers we've ever had okay all right okay that that's that's number one because there's a lot of inconsistencies throughout the books that we always point out and we always find things are not where they're supposed to be because they were somewhere else in a previous book right that's neither here nor there so if i remember that had a lot to do with him talking to rand about um shooting his bow and arrow right um a lot of that talking about the flame and focusing on the flame that's how he was able to learn how to channel easier was he was able to associate channeling with how he learned how to shoot a bow from 10. Oh. So that's what all that was about, really. Okay, that's just convoluted. And that was oh, okay. All right. Okay. I, I get your point. Because because it's the same, it's the same way when 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 Nynaeve was talking to Egwene about right. being in the water and flowing with the river. That right. was it's just that they didn't do it with with Rand and his father. He didn't okay. talk about the flame and focusing on the flame and all that stuff. Okay. All right. Just okay. I, I was curious. Thank Th- that's you. why that's why it's in there. Okay. And I think the other major thing that we need to talk about, you know, we were talking about the horn. And of course, at this point, once they get the horn out, Perrin just happens to see somebody passing his, you know, his peripheral and he looks in this patent fame. He is in the palace. So of course. Perrin goes after him because he's trying to figure out, like, what the fuck are you doing here? And in the meantime, we see that Pat and Fane is accompanied by two fades. Mm-hmm. They come in, they they kill some of the women that are guarding the entrance. And then when Perrin starts to hear some commotion, he goes back running towards Loyal because he left Loyal with the rest of the guards that were, you know, getting the horn up. He comes back all of the guards have been slaughtered and Pat and Fane is there with a knife in Loyal's chest. And I think that was the dagger. Was it the dagger? I think it was because they showed a brief flash of it and it looked very similar to the, huh. you know, and I don't freeze frame anymore, so. Whatever. You freeze framed <laughs> something last week. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I deny it. I deny it. Whatever. Michelle freeze frame. Not but me. anyway, so... Pat and Fane comes in, he sits on the throne, and he just has this real nonchalant attitude. Like, 
when parents trying to figure out, it was like, what the, what, why are you doing this? What the fuck are you doing? And that's when he tells parent, he was like, you are, what, what is the term again, Anthony, for what they are? A Taverian. Yes. He was like, because you're Taverian. He was like five in one village. He was like, you know, we, you may get one, two at a time. He said, but five, no, that's almost unheard of. He was like, so that's why we sent the Trollocs not to kill you, but to kind of flush you out. Because mm -hmm. you guys all have a part to play, you know, in the Dark One's plan. And he apparently already knew that Ram was the dragon because he said it. He was like, yeah, Ram might be the dragon, but you all have a part to play. And Parrot is just sitting there looking at him like, what the fuck? And he starts talking about the diff, or, you know, he was like, you know, basically talking about how special they were. And then we do see Matt show up. Was that Shadow Lagoth that Matt was back at? Did he go back to Shadow Lagoth? Really? I thought that was Tarvalon he was looking at. I thought that I, was the White Tower. I couldn't tell. It was it was dark. But you remember there were there was not a tower in Shadow Lagoth, but remember yeah. they had those taller buildings. Buildings. So I thought he was in it looked like he was in Tarvalon looking at Okay, the White let me Tower. see. Hold on. I gotta look. I'm not freeze framing. Just I'm, for, I'm not just I'm not freeze framing. I'm actually know. like <laughs> wherever he is is very cool like there's nobody on the streets and oh yeah 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 i think that is Tar tarvalon so yeah he he he's back he does not look good mm -hmm. he looks like he's got some evil stuff on him but yeah so had and fame is basically he was like yeah he was like why do you think i kept coming back to the two rivers over the last 20 years he was like it wasn't because i like being there because I was keeping an eye on y'all for the dark one. Like, so it's confirmation that he's a dark friend. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's he's strolling through there with two fades. I kind of figured as much. <laughs> like those are not the kind of homeboys that you just chill with if you just whatever. Uh, okay. This this is this is a point where because Mike isn't here, I'm making a bad joke. Why does the bad black guy always got to have Jerry curl? You gotta let your soul glow. He literally missed it before he went on set. I'm serious. I'm sorry. I had to do that. I can't. I don't know which one was worse, Lori's or yours. <laughs> but anyway, you gotta make up for Mike not being here. Yeah, exactly. Cat and Fane has the box. He leaves. <laughs> and so now he's got the horn. Rand is gone, and Rand at the end when we saw him, what was that he was looking over? Because I know it was it was the um. Why did my mind just go blank? Who the, what, the, Rand? The, the 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 creepy crawly stuff. What what was it? The, the blight. The, the blight. Yes. So we see him, and he's looking over the blight, and it looks like. It's only a little bit of land cover in the direction he's going. And then there's like some hills. So I was like, okay, so where is he going? But um, I think that is the spine of the world. Okay. And the Aiel are on the other side. Oh, okay. So he's going to find his. If, if he knows his geography, 
That's where he's going. Okay. So he's going to find his people. Oh, because that's the other thing. The dark uh the dark one actually confirmed to him that his father is not his father. He was like, Oh, that's so sweet. You really thought he was your dad. <laughs> yeah. He was like, You are such an asshole. Right. And he was like, Oh my God, you're stupid. He basically was like, right. You're dumb. You he really like you really the, thought that? Really, right. Dad? The dragon reborn is really a fool. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so let's talk about this end scene again because, again, I so the ending scene, after we kind of see where everybody is, you know, like I said, um, Egwene has brought Nynaeve back or she has healed her so that she's not dead. Perrin is sitting on the balcony just kind of looking over all the destruction. Rand is off on his own. Matt has arrived at the gates of Tarvalon. And it's just kind of like, okay, so... Moraine and Lan are sitting in the middle of the eye because Moraine has no powers anymore. She can't touch the source. And it's just kind of like, okay, so what's going to happen now? Then we get this end scene of a little girl playing on a beach. And then she hears something. She turns around and there's just this line of ships and they're very brightly colored sails. And then you have these women who walk out and they start doing like the hand gestures and they create a wave and it becomes this big, huge tidal wave. And this little girl is standing on the beach watching this big ass wave come towards her and then fade to black. I was like, what the fuck was this? Well, you know, they're weird and you know, they have channelers. Yes. But what did you know this about the channelers? They look like they were some sort of Mari Samoan type thing and they looked like they were maybe kind of zombified a little bit because their eyes were red not was zombified no it i they looked like they were mute though like they had they, they had, had their color. mouth covered yeah they had yeah. colors over their mouths and you saw and you saw the women behind them mm-hmm. yeah 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 and the women behind them were forcing them to channel Oh, see, I didn't. I just watched. I didn't get that. You see, they were doing. They were doing. They were sort of giving them commands. Well, it looked like a whole uh, bunch of airbending, to be honest with you. Seriously, it does. It does. Yeah. It's all the same. Yeah, airbending, weaving, channeling. It's all the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But oh, and that's the thing. Moraine was saying, um, you know, she was telling Land that she does not think this was the last battle. She fears this was the first. So that means that Rand's story is definitely not over. We no. probably have not seen the last of the Dark One, if in fact that was the Dark One and not one of his Forsaken. Um, and I don't know about the rest of them because I, you know, again, I don't read the books. I don't know where their story goes. We know Matt has gone back to Tarvalon and if the word has already gotten back to the Red Aja for them to be looking for him He's in trouble. That might be a problem. Now, one of my issues with Pat and Fane having the horn is the way they read the story there's no freaking possible way they can get that horn back. There isn't. You just take the horn into the blight and that's it. Like, who... Who's going to have stones enough to gather a large enough army just to get a horn back? Mm. And, like, the Dark One knows how important the horn is. Why would you even have it accessible? Right. You can't destroy it. I don't think it can be destroyed. But, I don't know. 
I, like I said, most of this was a complete and utter fabrication. I had given them the benefit of the doubt as a book reader up until most of the last episode and all of this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, this This is, there's so many things that that they've done that, like, you give us no explanation. You throw that word to Viren out again, but just don't explain what it, why, is, right. what it is and why it's important. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know. Yeah, and I um, thought they, I thought they were gonna give us that explanation once Pat and Fame mentioned it and talked about, oh yeah, you know, we usually only see one or two a generation, but no, this one we have five and all in the same village. That's why we, you know, we were paying attention to you and da da da. And I was still like, but that still doesn't tell us what it is and yeah. and why that's important. Yeah, I was why little... it's unusual and you know. Yeah. Yeah, I was on a panel at, I can't remember if it was Conjuration or Dragon Con, but I tried to defend this show. Like, I'm defending it to a room full of people who had their knives out. <laughs> and one of them, I think one of my co-panelists, said that it was like poorly written fan fiction. Mm. And this last episode is is hard to to not, to not go with that. Okay. Like, if you sat down and you binge watched this one through eight and you finished after the eight episode, you'd be like, that was garbage. And you don't realize the first six episodes are actually pretty good. Okay. You know, even even as a book reader, but like trying to separate the book reading part from from watching the show afresh or not knowing anything, mm-hmm. there's just some writing choices that just don't really make sense. Okay. The, like, the what was first... the point of the Taverin? Why are you sending this huge wave of water to this poor little girl building sandcastles on the beach? Like, what are you doing? How do you introduce a whole new faction and you don't really give us anything about the faction? You introduce them, but you don't introduce them. You don't, you're right. You Mm -hmm. should, what kind that's not even really a tease. Right. You know, it it wasn't a good cliffhanger at all. Right. Yeah. There you go. It wasn't. And then, and then the Hanukkah, you ask about where is, Rand going like mm-hmm. we we don't get if i'm not telling you that that's possibly the spine of the world and the eel on the other side you'd be like what, what is he doing well i mean i figured he was going somewhere far away from the rest of them because again he has it in his mind that now that he has touched the source he's like okay i need to get away from them because if i don't i'm gonna go mad and i'm i'm gonna hurt him and we know that even with the the difficulties raised in the last episode with him and Perrin, he still loves Egwene, he still loves Perrin, he still loves Nynaeve, and he's like, I'm not going to do anything to hurt them. So I figured he was going to go off somewhere, maybe, you know, distant, maybe be by himself. So I figured they probably would explain wherever he's going to go in the second season especially since moraine said this is not the last battle this is just the first so you telling me that this wasn't the last battle and we already know that rand is the dragon i already know he's coming back so it's just a matter of where his story is gonna go from there but but, but yeah can... i think that there were some things that they could have explained a little bit better the whole like like you said with pat and fame if they had told us what Tavarin were earlier you know, and explain that, then once he made that reveal to Perrin, 
then it probably would have been like, oh, you know, right. that sort of thing. Or it would have been like, oh, that's that's why y'all were after us or or something of that effect. But it's kind of like you like you said, you throw out the word to Varen and those of us who are unfamiliar with the books, we're just like, it's just another hard ass name we got to learn to pronounce. You know what it reminds mm-hmm. me of? It reminds me of the scene in Star Trek 2 when Benedict Cumberbatch, bless his heart, stands up and most emphatically says when they ask him, who are you? Khan Noonien Singh. And they're like, and okay. Who, who? <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very, I forgot about that. It's very similar to that. Like, we don't know who that is and who you are and why that's important. Right. Or just like even in the first one with uh, Eric Bana's character, I can't remember what his name was. The way he kept coming after Spock and he was like, you did such and such. Spock is like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know who you are. Or like Thanos with uh, <laughs> with Scarlet Witch, she was like, "You took everything from me." He was like, "I yeah. don't even know who you are." <laughs> yeah, well, like, so what you're telling fast, me this so. is a this is a common thing that writers do. That's what that sounds. I, like. I see. I see. It's I see. it's not it's not as if they they went about this. It's just it. I think this all just organically happened in in the writers' room. You know, I think that again, when you've got someone who owns a company that says, "Okay, I want to do this." And we have success with another sci-fi show, fantasy show, and it was a huge hit. Give me another hit. I'm talking about The Expanse. The Expanse started on sci-fi, Siffy, moved over to Amazon and had a bigger audience on Amazon. And when it ended, people were sad because it was the biggest thing since Star Trek, literally. And then they give you, okay, well, we're going to give you Lord of the Rings. We're going to give you Wheel of Time. And when I say that the money, the campaigning, the excitement, I mean, I was so excited. I actually read the book and I have avoided Wheel of Time for years. I mean, at least 15 years from reading it. It got me to read the book. And then when I see the the first episode, I'm like, okay, okay, I can roll this. Second episode, okay. When they had the fight in the forest where everybody died, I was like, okay. And then after that, it just went downhill and it just died. And I lost interest. Well, I'm I'm gonna say, despite all these issues, despite all the flaws, there is there are still some things that I really like about it. I like mm. the diversity. I liked the 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 equity between the men and the women. Um, even though sometimes the men could be shown as being a little bit dumb, <laughs> but you know that's neither here nor there. I do have hope for season two. If they do Rand correctly, they can really make up for it with Rand because there's something specific about him that if they do it right, it's 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 going to be crazy, weird, and just very interesting. But they got to do it right. Okay. Um, everyone else, you know, Perrin, they could get Perrin right. They they're on track with what what he's going to be able to do. Almost all the other characters are pretty much on track. It's just we are behind with Rand's development. Okay. We are way behind. So you think they probably behind. focus a lot on uh, on that in season two? I'm hoping so. Okay. Because um, we already know they've been green, greenlit for season three. So yes, 
Okay. Yeah. So ho- hopefully they they get they get his madness right. If they get his madness right, the show will be all right. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, Lori, do you have any final thoughts on uh, no. Wheel of Time? No, I just uh, I hope it gets better for the second season, and uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I guess that's going to be our coverage for season one. Um, I'm looking forward to season two because, again, I'm not a book reader, so this has not been as bad for me. <laughs> I actually am enjoying the show. There are a couple of things that I feel they can be a little clear on, but maybe they'll fix those, you know, those issues in season two and give us a little bit more detail to work with as far as the story goes and trying to see how they're going to move it forward. So um, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, I believe it will be releasing later on this year. So we will be covering the second season. We will try to get the episodes out on time instead of waiting a year (laughs) like we did with this one. But uh, either way it goes, we will be covering it. And for season one, that's it for our show. You can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Fandom Hybrid. You can chat with us on our Discord channel. You can watch us on our YouTube channel. And you can listen to us on all major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time. 